So much to talk about this morning with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. All right, let's start with the briefing, our weekly briefing, which is going to happen in person today. And I imagine we will be getting an update on the status of healthcare workers who still aren't vaccinated. Yeah, we're going to hear the what Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix, I think, want us to talk about, which is... Uh, what, we still got about 3,000 healthcare workers who are not vaccinated on unpaid leave. Now they're pointing out, Dick's pointed out, that they're not all full-time healthcare workers. Some of them are casuals, so the impact on the system isn't as great as if 3,000, all 3,000 were frontline. But it's still significant, and we'll be hearing about surgical delays and so forth. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is, and our colleague Keith Baldry had the numbers last night, uh, what, 11th? Thousand healthcare workers have gotten COVID nineteen, including almost four hundred doctors. So uh, they haven't been immune to it. Uh, happily, they've all most of them survived. That's good. Uh, we don't know how many long haulers there are among them, but there are some. But you know, it's it's a reminder these people are in the front lines. They are more at risk, and of course, they can also spread it to their patients, which is the reason the government is saying no, no, no. All healthcare workers have to get vaccinated. We expect to hear this week, Simi, as well, that the public health get vaccinated order is being extended to doctor's offices, dentist's office, and I expect eventually, although maybe not this week, um, um, other uh, physio. Uh, chiropractors and so forth eventually will also have to get vaccinated. And do you think, Vaughn, is this taking these additional steps, is that because the numbers still remain kind of stubbornly high? Yeah, I mean, this is the part that I don't think they've really addressed nearly as well as they should have. They do get asked and we do get explanations, but You know, the B.C. government has taken so many victory laps on the pandemic and gotten so much credit for how well they did. Um, We're not doing that well right now. The case count, the hospitalization rate, the ICU rate, the death count uh, are all worse than Ontario and Quebec. And I think... um, You know, given, as I said, how many victory laps they've taken, uh, I think British Columbians are entitled to a better explanation. You know, uh, they say, well, you know, uh, the Delta variant is more transmissible. Yeah, well, it's more transmissible everywhere in Canada. You know, uh, we can look at Alberta and Saskatchewan, which have problems as well, and go, okay, well, you can see some of the bad calls they made there. But what were the bad calls that were made here in British Columbia? Clearly, there were some. Otherwise, uh, why are we doing so much worse than, say, Ontario and Quebec, which have the same virus, the same healthcare systems, the same level of transmissibility? Right. I've been wondering that myself, too, because usually once we put restrictions in place, what we saw in the past is the case numbers start to come down. But they came down a little bit, but they're not coming down very fast. Yeah, no, I mean, look, uh, it is more transmissible. This is tough. Uh, You do have a couple of regions in the province where vaccine hesitation is still significant. There are other circumstances, Ontario and Quebec. Again, we I think it'll take a public inquiry to precisely establish this, but Ontario and Quebec went to booster shots before British Columbia did and more comprehensively. They also had more of an economic lockdown than British Columbia did. So, you know, Canadian provinces manage the healthcare systems differently and it does vary across the country, but 
I do think, given how much credit and how many times we've been told by the New Democrats that we're doing better than everywhere else, it'd be a good idea to get a comprehensive explanation from them for why we're not doing better at the moment. Right. Okay. And speaking of that, let's talk about some tourism. And I know yesterday you mentioned this as well. One of the big things for Victoria, for you seeing in your area, is the fact that the ferry that goes to the Olympic Peninsula returned yesterday. Yeah, they were the Coho Ferry uh, linked to Port Angeles, uh, sailed into the harbor in Victoria yesterday, greeted by a flotilla of boats. I think there was a bagpiper there and waving flags. And, and great news for Victoria. There are three ferry links between the capital region to the United States. The, Co- the uh, Clipper, which is the passenger ferry to Seattle, started up and shut down right away uh, earlier this fall. Uh, the Coho, they say, is here to stay for the first time in 20 months. But you know, celebration aside, not very many people on it. I think, what, about a dozen vehicles and a dozen walk-on passengers and one semi arrived. Uh, Some people are going back. It is uh, an easy escape for Victorians to Washington State. You bypass the BC Ferry lineup, you bypass the border lineup, and you can bypass Seattle if you're headed for snowbird land down in Southern California. So it is very, very popular, but uh, we still got a ways to go. I, I, not quite as discouraging as the news out of Blaine yesterday, where, you know, this testing requirement is still an obstacle to travel. It's still an obstacle to travel for the coho as well. So still more to come on that testing thing. Do you think we're going to hear more about this? I keep here thinking that maybe in the next couple of weeks, the Canadian government will change their mind on this. I, I keep hearing that too. And, you know, you'd think that they would get around to it, but Ottawa moves in mysterious ways. Oh, and That's so <laughs> they true. Don't, they don't seem to play the... It takes the longest time for concerns from particularly regions like ours to kind of penetrate the federal consciousness, you know. Uh, easy if you're Ontario and Quebec and start squawking, but takes a lot longer out here. So, you know, uh, you, sometimes you wonder if they're still relying on the post to to discover what the view is out here. It really doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Premier, uh, British Columbia, before he went on medical leave, uh, declared the whole thing to be stupid, and that was a couple of weeks ago, and he said he was going to bring it up with the Prime Minister. I think he did, but, you know, uh, I think our national leaders just go, oh, well, you know, uh, Transport Canada hasn't got around and the border services, and one of these days they will, so... Maybe one of these days they will. We will see. Oh, uh, one other quick story we were going to talk about here is what's going on at the uh, Royal BC Museum? Well, the Royal BC Museum is getting rid of the old town exhibit because it's a vestige of colonialism. There has been an outcry in Victoria, which, you know, is not too surprising. But I see the minister, Melanie Marks, said yesterday that, nope, it's going ahead. Uh, She recognizes that people don't like change, but the status quo has to be swept aside. I suppose, Simi, we should be grateful that the number one attraction in the museum, which everybody remembers from their visits, Wooly the Mammoth, will (laughs) remain, even though, Simi, Wooly is completely fake. What? Made of styrofoam and chicken oh, wire. I'm devastated. And the skin is muskox. Why it are you doing this? It is not a woolly <laughs> mammoth, but everybody loves it. So Why there you are, go. You ruined it for so many people, Vaughn. Why would you do that? <laughs> the thing about the museum is that it feels to me like this has been a long time coming. I and mean, the museum has not kept up with the times 
and updating. Well, I, I guess that's true, but you know, I I think that in the past, museums and historical exhibits were updated, and things were added to them to provide context, to provide more detail. We live in an era where stuff is taken away because it's offensive. And frankly, if the minister wants to deal with the colonial legacy, let's start with the name of the museum. Royal, oh, I was thinking how colonial that too. can you yeah. get? British and Columbia. Follow that one far enough back and you find Christopher Columbus. So, <laughs> you know, why you're dealing with as I said, Old Town, which is a thing kids love, and it's a harmless exhibit. Sure, put a lot of First Nations context in. Um, there's lots can be added to the museum, but I don't understand taking stuff away. Do we know it's gone permanently? Or I thought they were going to like think about it and see what happens. It looks as if they're getting rid of a bunch of stuff in there. And, uh, you know, there's a real debate here, and, and maybe they'll back off. But um, so far, as I said, the minister's comment yesterday was, nope, this is going ahead. Mm. Stop complaining about it. Uh, you're all a bunch of colonialists, and uh, that's not <laughs> it's not happening. So, you know, as I said, it's been called an act of historical vandalism, but these are the times in which we live, so there you go. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it is that they do come up with. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Cindy.